Hey everyone, welcome back to Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. All right, it's uh, Tuesday night, uh, June 16th, apparently, because uh, I'm, I'm running out of time. I don't know what's going on with the schedule anymore because I've been working weekends and I'm working the early, uh, early week, the next thing. But uh, I needed to make time for me and Shug to talk about shit that's going down. And I called him and he was watching wrestling which is a proper thing to be doing on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And uh, it was on FS1, right? It was WWE Network is showing things on on FS1 now. Yeah, they've been showing – yeah, it's Fox Sports is taking advantage of um, having WWE on the air. They've been showing, like, Wrestle, WrestleManias um, recently. Um so I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw uh, Survivor Series 1996, and you know that's the Rock's debut when uh, it was in Madison Square Garden. So it's you know a little uh, near and dear to us. It was iconic. Yeah, but also it was iconic for uh, different reasons. Mm-hmm. It was uh, apparently I remember gr- growing up I was always told that. Because uh, there's a, a lapse in my, I've been well. Just, just to clarify, I've been a, a pro wrestling fan since 1991. I was about two and a half, three years old. I might not want to date myself, but uh, what I would do, I would go to the video store, and me and my brother, older brother, obviously, so he was the one who educated me on old wrestling and stuff. We'd buy, we'd buy a bunch of uh, VHSs and we'd watch them all. And uh, there, there was a lapse though, and then eventually I heard about. Um, Someone called Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I started watching it again. And then I went backwards, and uh, there's this thing called Survivor Series 1996 in Madison Square Garden, my hometown, our hometown. And uh, Rocky Maivia, uh, he got he got his we got booed out of the building. It was his debut, which is you know kind of weird and cartless and like why you do that, you know. But anyway, uh, going with that same idea that they're showing it on FS1, uh, you get, you know, I actually got a copy of this uh, pay-per-view. Call and I got video. this. It's on VHS. I got this because uh, I was waiting for the bus to go home from elementary school. I was in seventh grade, I think. Seventh or eighth grade. I don't know. It was like, they were like tossing out like DVD. They were tossing out VHSs to get, <laughs> you know, get in the DVDs and stuff. Yeah, and I remember like that's the place where uh, I saw a lot of weird. That's the first time I saw like I, w- I was watching. Um, this is actually pretty funny. I would peek through the wrestling VHSs, and it'd be like Andre Giant and like Hulk Hogan staring at each other. That I yeah. like peek through, and then I would see like like four massive breasts and tits because it was like, the porno version. <laughs> the porno area was right behind the uh, wrestling area. <laughs> that was like that. That any uh, video store you went to. That pretty much was like the guarantee, like, hey, uh, where's your wrestling section? And then you go there and look at Right it. next to the Pino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be like, uh, wrestling, eh, season two, mm, that's a good one. But uh, I don't think with females. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, so there was a time when they were just getting rid of all VHSs. And um, me and my brother, uh, we were just weirdos. I was always a guy about. I was like, things that were like retro weren't even retro yet, but I was so into them. So like VHS is people are like, you need timber for your fucking, uh, for your house, for, for your uh, coal oven. Hey, take these VHSs and burn them. 
But I'm like, no, these need to be treasured. And this is one of them. This is Survivor Series 96. And that's an original mm-hmm. Coliseum video. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but this is, this is the – everything would be turned into, like, this little thing. Like, they would put it into the case and stuff. And also, by the way, um, every WF Coliseum home video was actually in the same exact format as pornography because the same people that made pornography in New York City made WWF Coliseum home video. Kill two birds with one song. That's why they were so, like, big. Anyway, so what do you think about the Survivor Series 96? It's pretty wild, right? Yeah, so so as soon as I I popped it on, as soon as I turned it on, um, I was helping my brother with his math homework at the same time. So I was, like, pointing out um, the different wrestlers and stuff. He couldn't care less. Matter of fact, he was supposed to go to um, his first wrestling show with us before, but unfortunately it was, like, the week of the – the week when things started shutting down, so we never got to go. Uh, but, he was going to come to the Garden Show? He was going to be at the Garden Show? Yeah, he was going to be at the oh, Road man. to WrestleMania. So maybe if he had oh, went, man. he would have had, like, a new um, uh, a new, uh, a newfound love for wrestling, like uh, new- we do. Yeah, so everyone has, like, their own, like, moment where they realize, like, I like this. Some people, you know, they come and leave, you know, stuff, but, who knows? Well, well next yeah. time it's gonna happen soon, though. Don't worry, it's gonna happen soon. Yeah. So he like he knows who um you know he knows like The Rock and he knows um John Cena, but you know just from like other stuff that don't have to do with wrestling, uh he knows them from that. But I was pointing out to him like, all right, that's The Rock when he like first started. Like, look at how like silly he looks. <laughs> this is literally his first match. <laughs> Wait. 25 years, man. You make us feel so old. 25 years. Think and, it's cr- it. and it's crazy. It's like when you watch the match and you're like, wow, like, you know, this is where he started. This is like the beginning of like the most mm-hmm. electrifying man in sports entertainment. And like, they probably didn't even know what they had then and what he would become. So it's, it's crazy to see it. So they yeah. had, you know, I'm pointing out, like I, 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 I texted you. Um, It's like a whole like clusterfuck of, um, then and now, because uh, Triple H was still Hunter Hearst Helmsley, you know, right. the the Greenwich snob. A year and a half into his uh, stint as that character. Yeah, Sable um, was married to Mark Merrill and was his uh, manager. Uh, he was a man. And it was interesting because they had, they had Sonny on commentary. So they, she was talking about uh, Sable. Uh, her and Jr. were having a um, back and forth, and you you know she was making like you know snide comments about Sable, and you know it wasn't like yeah. fake. It was you know like probably her real feelings. Uh, yeah, and then um, uh, Terry Runnels and Goldust was involved in a match, and you know it's crazy that you know Goldust is still like. Well, Dustin Runnels now. What, what's his name in um, AEW now? I know. It's his real name. Uh, Dustin Rose is his uh, character name in, uh, based off of his father. But his real, he uses Dustin Runnels. Uh, well, no, does he? I actually, you know, I'm a big uh, AEW fan. But I think he does, he goes by Dustin Rose, I think. Yeah, he uses Dustin Rose. Uh, just double check me. I actually don't know. I just, he goes by so many things now, like Goldust. It was Dustin Rhodes. Mm-hmm. in WWF in the late 80s when he was like 18 and then he went to WCW and he was Dustin Runnels 
Yeah. And then he came to Goldust when he had a whole, uh, you know, falling out with his father and then became Goldust, which is, you know, well documented. And then uh, I pretty, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, but he, he, yeah, but, Goldust is one of my oh, favorites sorry, of all time. Uh, Just his, his longevity. Uh, who else? Fifty. Yeah, and then Vince was um Vince was doing commentary. Uh, My God! Yeah. What a maneuver! Jerry Lawler was like in in the Survivor Series match. Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake was um still was also involved in that match, and it had a part I thought was interesting. Or I believe they started off the match. It was um Triple H and The Rock, and. To me personally, I feel like Triple H and The Rock was um the Triple H and The Rock was probably like the to me my the the greatest um wrestling rivalry because they 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 face each other at different points in their career and you know as long as Triple H is still wrestling and you know The Rock is in great shape I would love to see them finally have like that one on one match at WrestleMania that'd be like the only time I'd be excited to see. Triple H in a ring again, as opposed was, to as opposed to like you know them yeah. shoehorning and shoehorning him in like the last couple of years, but he he still got it. Well, um, I've been a lifelong fan since I was two and a half years old. Uh-huh. Uh, follow me at he's gonna puke, he's gonna puke. Uh, I talk all about it. Um, I'm just actually about to post but the first memory I ever had about uh watching wrestling on television it's coming up it was actually part of my uh ig story today it was about working three days in a row and then realizing you had to work another four days in a row so yeah uh, anyway so that match yeah it was goldust crush and and then the best part about this is this look you, it's like hey is uh pro wrestling real and then like you see this every name has a trademark yeah so like suge would be suge would it be like T-Mark, yeah, so yeah. just describe that to the to the people listening on, okay. on our SoundCloud. Yeah, so, okay, so I'm holding a VHS that I have. Yeah, and I was trying to um show him Stone Cold. I'm like, that's that's my childhood hero, still is. Uh, and Brett the Hitman Hard. I was giving him all the you know the excellence of execution, the best there is, the best there ever was. And he was very like ambivalent to the whole thing. He, he didn't care about it. So, like, who does he recognize as, like, oh, that's wrestling. Like, you know, I, I look at Hulk Hogan, I look at Stone Cold, I'm like, oh, that's that's wrestling. So, who does he look at? Is this John Cena? Yeah, probably John Cena. Because he knows The Rock from, like, you know, yeah, Movie. movies and stuff. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of movies, um, how do you feel about award shows? Well, award shows are going through a lot of turmoil now. Because, obviously, uh, I'm not sure if you heard about this. You have COVID. And uh, apparently they're gonna push the award the award season like more months. Mm-hmm. Now on top of that, there is a backlash about the award season to begin with. That, that's been brewing for uh, many years, many years, about uh, eliminating genders from like the award process. So like you have the best male actor, best female actor. They want best actor. Yeah. Oh, I don't, is it a what's like the best? I, I guess like the ten, the ten best actors, regardless of gender. Yeah. You, honestly, me, I always use. I don't really care about pronouns and stuff. Like, but like, if you say like, 
if the actor is like the proper thing, I'll use it. I don't care. Yeah, because you're not even supposed to say actress. You're not supposed to say actress. You're supposed to say female actor and male actor. Well, like, yeah, but I, I never, like, that's the thing about this whole thing is like, I guess maybe it's my uh, privilege. I never actually thought about like the, the idea of like the difference between a, you know, an actor and actress. You know, I just thought it was like, this, that's what it is. Like, you know, but if their goal, if like the, the idea is to separate it, but like, what does that mean that like, I understand Golden Globes have like different separations of um, musical and comedy and uh, musical yeah. and comedy is one thing and then yeah. drama is another thing. Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate right now. And I'm going to say that, that we have a kick-ass, kick-ass year of men. Men have the best performances ever. We have 25 best performances ever the Hollywood have ever seen. And guess what? I'll do you one better. We'll go over to South Korea. We go to South Korea. We go to Japan. We get the best male American, Japanese, Asian, African, South South American actors. They're all nominated, and they have the best careers ever, the best uh, performances ever. And guess what? Then we have twenty five of the best female or whatever, like gender queer. Like, what's going to happen? So it's going to be just six people are going to get nominated or six to 10 people are going to nominate. Mm-hmm. You don't think it's going to be a backlash? Like, Hey, wait, you, wait a minute. Like this person is, you know, like I'm just, I'm not judging anyone or whatever. I, I'm being serious. Like there's a, like, I know back then it was a reason there was like, you know, there's separation of races and also gender and everything. But what is the goal of it being genderless? So this, um, act, actor, um, Asia Kate Dillon is a non they uh they uh classify themselves as non binary which means they don't confirm to either uh female or male uh they're non binary uh gender fluid i thought when i was a kid that was, that's what it was called so i don't know yeah so um she uh they uh refer to themselves as non-binary that's um not they don't confirm to being a woman or being a man and they were actually nominated for best supporting actor in a drama series um they act in the show uh billions which shows on showtime mm-hmm. and she uh they were calling for there to be genderless awards. So, you know, rather than have them have to submit to being, to submit their name for consideration for best female or best actress, it would just be best actor, female or male. Mm. And And they're calling for that to end. But to me, I'd say then don't submit your name for consideration because in, in my in my idea, I mean, it might be like a slippery slope, but if you look at it now, best director at the Oscars the last couple of years, uh, it's been, well, they've been predominantly uh, white men. But, you know, in the last couple, 
the last decade or so, Catherine Bigelow was the first woman to win it for Hurt Locker. Uh, that we we talked about that for a little bit the last episode. Sorry, it was 2008, and then it was 2009 ceremony. Yeah, and um, the director of um The Revenant, I believe he won. Ang Ang Lee has won, I think, multiple times. Yeah. Uh, um, Adolfo Coron of Mexico, Guillermo del Toro of Mexico. So it's not just been white men. Um, you're seeing a lot of black men being um, nominated for the award. But my thing is, that's a genderless award right there, and it's still being won by men. So if you took away the gender of best actress, if, if it was just best actor, best supporting actor, you know, what happens, let's say it's like 10, since the, there's, what, four or five people being nominated for each awards uh, each year, so they combine them, so it'd be like 10. So let's say it's 10. So, it, you know, what happens when it's like seven men and three women? Or on the opposite spectrum, what if it's eight women, two men, and the man still wins? You know, that, that will also be an issue, would it not? Well, when I when I initially uh, when I initially heard about this, uh, my initial thought was to think about the extreme, and I already pictured uh, next year's Academy Award, and then I just found out actually it was going to be postponed. But I thought about, hey, no more gender, all whatever, and basically if it's all people who identify as men or uh, male men they all are there for the, the ceremony and there's no women for the best actress or at, which would be actress they would say that it's unfair right and then you go back to the other way and where it's like five male and four people who identify you know as women it's a very um i gotta go back to my gender studies i took a lot of gender study classes i'm pretty sure gender is a little different than sex so uh, I'm very, I'm more, I'm more uh, dedicated to uh, every, you know, and totally, everyday life things. I totally understand it because people, um, like to see, would, you know, people like to see their work recognized and they like to be rewarded, but, you know, you look at a show, you look at, um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? Show we both love. Yeah. So It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been on since 2003 Five. and- 2005. Yeah. And I started watching it in 2008. In all of the years, and I believe it got renewed for like a f- um, five more seasons or something like that, right? I heard one more year. I'm not sure. I got to look. No, it was, it, it was multiple years because it said by the time, oh. by the time it finishes, it will be the longest running live action comedy show. It, I mean, like, at this point, it's like in the running of already because like whether well, show is, has been it doesn't matter about um, episodes. I know this isn't the point of the thing we're talking about, but it doesn't matter the amount of the episodes per season. But mm-hmm. the amount of episodes they've done doesn't correlate to them being the longest. They already are the longest running show, uh, a comedy scripted ever at 15. I think 15 is either the last one or the one that's going to come up. But. 
Like most shows back in the day were 22 or 24 or 26. Like Cheers was like 26 sometimes, you know. We're a Cheers fan too, you know. Yeah, and um, all- the thing about it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I, a, a friend of mine um, named Ferdy, he used to always say, you know, sex is like cold pizza. The, even though it's like bad, it's still pretty good. So mm-hmm. every every episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, if it's like, you know, pro, if it's not the best episode of last season, if it's not a good one, it's still like better than, you know, a lot of other comedy shows that are on TV. But I brought that up to say this. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has never been, let alone, not one. It hasn't even been nominated for an mm-hmm. Emmy for Best Comedy Series. Like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine won Best Comedy Series its first season. And It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia hasn't even been nominated. Like, think about how yeah. ridiculous that is. And it, it, I mean, and, and you know the, the show, like, like I know the show. They actually had an episode where they, they um, and that just shows you how brilliant they are. They took, you know, what was going on in real life with them not being recognized and made an episode about that. And not even that episode, you'd think that episode will be nominated yeah. <laughs> for Emmy. As meta, very meta. Like, hey, guess what? Shug Me the Mooney has been, uh, been on the air for 30 years. And guess what? It has never been nominated for a podcast. But um, there's a podcast there- ever. Yeah, but I did want I did want um to say one more thing about the um about the the genderless um awards. If you want to win or be nominated, you don't want to be the token nomination. Like last year, um, they had a film, Little Women, um, directed by Greta Gerwig, and people thought she ought to have been nominated for best director, and the movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Costume Design. But Mm -hmm. um, Greta Gerwig wasn't nominated for Best Director. But Little Women, this is a movie that's been remade and told, like, since, like, movies were invented, like, time, time and time over, and, you know, there are like original movies that still don't get made that are still uh huh. Sorry to cut you off, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I think it was a Victorian age book that was made in like it was like maybe the one of the last silent movies or even one of the first uh, uh, talkies. It was one, it was one of the first, and they did it in like the 30s. The we did it a bunch of times, and they also have different versions of it too. Where it also takes place in like modern times and stuff. And then there was a famous one that I grew up on. We both grew up on. It was from the mid '90s. That was all about. Uh, it was like one of the famous movies of the, the mid '90s before like Titanic and everything. Uh-huh. But it's based on a Victorian book. You go to Barnes and Noble if you ever go to Barnes and Noble. Did you go to Barnes and Noble in the last five years? They, clo- they closed the one, the one in Bay Plaza, and I was the one I used to frequent. They turned into Saks Fifth Avenue. If you really, if yeah. you go into Barnes, I used to go in Barnes Noble and be like, "I'm going to become 
a student. I want to be. I'm going to become a librarian, and then you would have like the. They would have books literally by the door. Where like you go in one door and then you go in another door. Yeah. That's called. And there was like doors like, hey, take them, start reading. They take them because we're yeah. only selling for like fifteen cents. Go. But anyway, that's one of them. That and um, Dracula and all that. And a lot of that has been made so many times, but like, why? What? What? It, what are you changing? There's a movie that has come out that is like that, but it's gone. Yeah, and um, if you look at who was directed, who who actually was um nominated and won Best Director last year, you have um Bong Joon Ho. Uh, who did Parasite, which was, you know, a darling of this past Oscar season, won Best Picture. And I think he might have been the first, like, Korean um, director, the first Korean person to win Best Director. And he was, uh, yeah. he, he was it was a Korean film, so he's the first Korean person to, to win the award. And yeah. then Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, which, you know, you could argue. Todd Phillips for The Joker. Um, Sam Mendes for 1917, which we saw together. Yeah, it was actually was it the last time we hung out? Yeah, no, well, that was the last movie I saw before all of this. Twenty, it was late January, right? Yeah, December. Actually, it might have been December, and then the Artie landing was afterwards. Remind me, I don't remember. Yeah, and then um, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So these are all great movies. And timeless movies to me, because there's some years like movies win, and you know you're not gonna talk about them, you know. Afterwards, like people are still talking about every single one of these movies. Nobody's talking about Little Women. So, if well, you took, but what about the artist? Is that did that win best movie? The artist? Yeah, I like, won movie? best film and best Don't actor and best this it, was and that. it was a gimmick, right? Yeah, and you know, nobody nobody talks about that anymore. But you know, all of these movies, you know, people are still talking about. And the best nobody, movies are the ones that age well, like a age, wine. Age well, like a fine wine, right? Like even um, get get out. Like that to me, I should have won Best Picture. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I had never even seen that yet. Well, you're missing out, but it was. Is that the next watch along? It, it was watch? a culturally it was more culturally culturally significant than um Shape of Water, which won over it. Yeah, that was shocking. I, I even just from like the people talking about it, I realized that this movie was important. And just because I didn't have the time. Like I, I didn't have the time. Like I, I don't have the money to fucking go uh spend forty five dollars to see a movie and get Skittles for sixteen dollars, whatever. You know, and then I obviously I had like many years to watch it on um, streaming, but um, I don't know. Like, I think uh, I think it's time for me to watch more movies, and then I'll uh, give my own review. Uh, yeah. What do you so, think? So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with the awards. Maybe you know, maybe going forward it'll be um, genderless, and you know, you see more of a diversity in who wins and. You know, who knows? At some point, maybe they might give everybody like best director. You know, some some people even think like com- competing for awards is something that's unnecessary. Just well, 
put out your best work and let it speak for itself. Well, if I want to go back into, uh, I'm a, I'm a uh, history buff, a buff historian. I used to be. My chest, my chest aren't good anymore. But anyway, um, I'm a big history guy. And if you actually go back to the first like ten or twenty, um, eh, the first like twenty uh, Academy Awards, there are people getting drunk. I know it's televised now. People still get drunk. Uh, mm-hmm. cute. We'll, we'll show the people getting fucking loaded during the thing. But the whole thing was like an afternoon in the Beverly Hills Hotel. And they would just give out awards. No one cared. It wasn't that big of a deal. And guess what? It became a big, big deal when it became a TV show. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it was a TV yeah. show. Now it influences how we feel in the fucking public eye. Hey, I don't want to rain here. I don't want to copyright infringe Dennis Miller. But it's all about TV. Like they turned it into a show, and all the world, all first of all the country saw it, then all the world, and uh, basically back in the day, it was just a thing, just to go out there and get drunk during the day at the Beverly Hills Hotel or wherever else it was, and now it became so more than it should be because movies are movies, you know. You yeah. like a movie, you like a movie. If you don't like a movie, don't tell someone it's a bad movie. Don't tell someone, don't watch this movie's bad. Or, you know, what do you think? Yeah. Am I face here? No, not at all. And, like, even today, like, I, I only watch award shows to, like, hate watch and look on Twitter and see what people are saying. Because, every, you know, everything turns into a meme. Everything turns into a gif. And, you know, you're joking about it for, like, weeks afterwards. And then it dies. And what's your favorite? Well... The one meme that died that I wish would come back would be, uh, um, who's that lady that you have an infatuation with? So, when she uh, have a... that, ca- that cast, I'm gonna let you know that cast a wide net. I don't know. I'm talking about <laughs> the uh, fucking Netflix show. What's it called again? You? Why no? Why on a writer? Oh, I love, yeah. Remember she like flipped out. <laughs> yeah, she Never? was like bugging out. Yeah, I remember that. But that I was on the Oscars. I was like the Emmys because I was Stranger oh, Things. Oh, come on, man. We're talking about general... Oh, wait, we're talking about the awards. Yeah, so you're right. You're awards. Right. It's not just the Emmys. I use the Emmys as a... Uh, uh, as a, Emmys were literally invented because of television. So um, so when we're talking about things um, going forward, and we also talk about movies aging, right? So mm-hmm. me and you, we're big fans of... um, Me and you were big fans of... Uh, the teen, the raunchy teen comedies. I'm not right, raunchy comedies in general. Um, uh, Super Bowl, they called them back in the day. Yeah, you know, your Porkies, your um, Animal House, uh, all the uh, movies came out in the 80s. Yeah, National Lampoons, all the movies, you know, National, you know, the Animal House and stuff. But there was also a screwball comedy, was a thing that came out of Tel Aviv, ironically. Like, would you think that the best, you know, the 80s movies that everyone remembers in the late 70s actually came from Tel Aviv? It was a, these group of guys. It's called Canon. And uh, later on, they went, they made to uh, another movie that we're going to talk about in a minute that's coming to have a, that's having a resurgence. Um, but basically, remember that? Which movie? No, no, there's a whole, like, company that came out of Tel Aviv called Canon, and they made all those movies like uh, Screwball and all those movies and stuff. Yeah, no wonder you can't find any of them, any of them on like 
Netflix and and um. They also did uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, they made it. They made a movie that they well, they probably sold out. You know, early on, but later yeah. on, a movie called uh, Bill and Ted. Hello, and Bill and Ted's on the. Oh, okay, I can't wait. Bill and Ted face the music. We're gonna do a live watch along with that shit. It's gonna be me and my brother. It's gonna be my uh, cousin that 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 defriended me on Facebook ten years ago. We're all sitting next to each other and watch this because I think America wants to watch this. That's gonna be a holding holding hands of America moment. Anyway, but yeah, like schoolboy comedies and like tits. That was a big deal, man. Like, okay. We're not going to age ourselves. Do you want to age ourselves? I mean, we're, we're in our early 30s, so. We both, this is what I think. We both. So we've been uh, around for three decades, so, we, we, you know. Both, me and Joe crossed the, the 30 threshold. And uh, it was a big deal when you found, like, a titty. Like, you found one tit. One tit was, like, a big deal. I'm like, oh, my God, that's, that's a tit? And yeah. then, like, I had this moment where. We're like looking for something, and I was like, "Where is this?" We were looking for a Nintendo game, NES, and it was already old at the time because it was like late nineties, whatever. And we're like, "What is this?" Oh, I found it! I got it! I pulled it out. It was a goddamn huge, massive triple F G tits. I was like, "That's porno!" And we're yeah. like, "This is pornography." And anyway, so then basically that evolved into a this thing that happened in the late nineties, where like the that genre came back again. And most famously with American Pie, which was fucking huge for us old timers. Yeah, and American Pie was like another movie. You know, I went to Blockbuster and got my God brothers were actually um they actually spent the weekend with us and we watched American Pie and they seen it and I hadn't seen it, so they already knew some of the some of the um some of the lines from it and they were kinda like talking through it and you know when the Natasha part came came up the webcam part with um Shannon Elizabeth. Um, uh, that's a star maker moment. Exactly, but you know American Pie. You know what I what I feel about a lot of these movies like these teen comedy um these raunchy teen comedies are it's more of a parody. It's a more it's a parody of you know teenage boys because. You know, you're at that age, um, 12 to 18 years old, where, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're starting to um, confront your sexuality. And, you know, it's a funny time, you know, puberty and, and stuff like that. And everybody's trying to lose their virginity. So it's always funny to watch those movies and see, like, especially being our age, and you know how we talk about, like, kids when they used to come into our store, like, how stupid and goofy they were. So, even now, to look at it, you know, as a wow. kid, as a kid, you kind of looked up to to those guys, whereas now, as an adult, you could look back at, at, you know, after, you know, as a kid, you're looking up to those guys, and you're waiting to get to that point, and now, us as adults, in our 30s <laughs> you know you're looking back on it since you've already passed that time and you can laugh at it yeah i'm laughing at the whole idea of you just reminded me when we were uh, working at the uh retail that sells caffeinated beverages 
Um, I'm pretty sure I was a 14 year old boy, boy, yeah, talking, whispering into his mother's ear, like, I would like that, I would like this, I would like that. I'm like 14, I'm like, dude, I was, I was 10 when American Pie came out, and I was like, let's sneak in, let's go see it. Yeah, and I thought we saw a scary movie too when I was 10, and I'm like, Tennis! <laughs> I was like, so excited. Yeah. We, we the Tomb Raider. And we were like, oh shit, let's go see this. And back, that was a different time, man. I always say to people, and all people are my age, we were like, we grew up in the perfect time where it was a perfect blend of old school, like, hi, can I talk to, I mean, my high voice, hi, can I talk to what's his name? And then also like, uh, the AOL and like the messaging and stuff like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Yeah, <laughs> aim, like, yeah. Aim perfect, you know, the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Boom. But then we also, I have a funny story actually, I was thinking about this when uh, Shake brought it up. So, when did American Pie 2 come out? Can you tell me, Shake? I want to, 2001, 2002. DVD, on, DVD, on DVD. Like 2001, 2002. No, it had to be 2001. Yeah, it's 2001. So, so I said 2001, 2002. So 2001, 2002. Had to be t- yeah, so it had to be like, I was still in elementary school. So like we heard, my my best friend, heard, uh, he said that his brother had a DVD. He bought it and he got it. And we oh my God, we're going to buy two. We're going to watch mm-hmm. American Pie 2. Holy shit, like this is a big deal. And it was like six of us in a small room. And we like we, we were in a room just watching it together, and and uh, I it was like it was not weird but like we watched the movie <laughs> American Pie two for the first time the whole thing with we go to the uh, cabin, uh-huh. and uh, I think that's like an old school thing that would never happen again. Like you would get like bring people to your uh, one cellular phone like right here. Hey guys, I ten guys let's watch this thing. You can all get on your phone, but no, it was on a VHS. Popped it in, and we watched in the room. And we're like, "Yo, make sure no one comes up, all right? Make sure no one comes up." Yeah, man, it was like, is it, "What do you think about that? Is it like weird? Like, what do you think? Is it like? I think more people. I think it's weird because, like, I know it's weird that we're like trying to like, oh yeah, this is kind of like, you know, also the chicks and stuff. I think it's weird, like some kid who like get cracks his phone or whatever and can watch stuff at nine at nine years old and watch like weirdest stuff." That I get even blush at. I'm a freak. Yeah, things are totally different now. But I actually saw um American Pie two in the movies because um when I was younger I used to have um vision um problems. So I used to go to um the SUNY um optometrist um university down um across the street from Bryant Park in um forty second street. So every Tuesday I had to go for my vision and it was right there next to the um AMC and Lowe's. Not a- AMC AMC and Regal. Uh down there in Times Square. It's just, you know, a short work walk. So my cousin, he used to be he was my older cousin. He was like twenty one, twenty two at the time. So he used to take me because that was his day off from work. So he'd pick me up from school and me and him would hop on the train and we'd go down there and we'd watch, we'd we'd go down there, I'd go to my eye appointment and after the eye appointment, we'd go to AMC and Regal and see 
then we'd usually see one movie, but we'd, you know, sneak into other movies. But I'm all about that. I can tell you about this after you're done your story. I don't want to cut you off, but yes. Yeah, so we went to, um, we, we saw American Pie in there, and um, I loved it. I didn't get to see the last two in the movies, uh, American Wedding and American Reunion, but I, I saw, so I saw the first one on yeah. video, on um, VHS uh, rental, and I saw the second one in the movies, and I saw the third and fourth ones, like, you know, after their release on, like, DVD or ordered Netflix when they used to come in the mail. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, like, we watched that movie, American Pie 2, and we are like, oh, it's a good movie. We like yeah. it or whatever. I pretty much, I think, like, a year, like, less than a <laughs> less than a year later, I was like, guys, you want it on your uh, CD? You like CD drive? <laughs> That's when it started, because I was in, the, I think, eighth grade when it started. I think so. Pretty wild. Pretty wild stuff. Pretty edgy. We're talking about pretty edgy stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and then some people can make the argument that these movies don't like. You know, it's crazy because um, the other day they had to take um on the new HBO Max. I guess they had um Gone with the Wind. Yes, and they had to take it off. What? Like, can you like? I heard about this. All right, I want to just clarify that most of my shit that I see on Twitter is wrestling related because I'm a, I'm a thirty-something-year-old uh, loser. That most of the stuff is wrestling related <laughs> so mm-hmm. i saw a lot of people like shitting on the the idea like why not delete you know the holding canceled thing but um so they took it off of actual they took it off of HO max they took it off and i think they added like um a disclaimer or some kind of um added footage where you know they talk about how you know the things in the movie were fine at the time but they're obviously not fine now but the thing with that is, you know, that movie came out, it, it, it took, it came out in 1939. So it basically took like 80 years for it to, for people to to universally recognize that, you know, it wasn't okay. But we're seeing that a lot quicker with, you know, these um teen comedies. Because even a movie like Superbad, Superbad came out in 2008. And you know, you wouldn't dare make a movie like that in 2020. American Pie, yeah. the last movie came out in 2012. You wouldn't dare make a movie like that eight years later. Well, one of the one of the gentlemen who's in one of those uh, offshoot movies is was in the White House with Obama. My first name. No, no, you yeah, you, I know you're talking about um Harold and Kumar, but um. It was Cal Penn that, that worked Cal for Penn. Cal Penn. Cal, Cal Penn worked oh. for Obama. William Cho didn't. William Cho was in American Pie. Cal Penn wasn't. No, I, said, no, I meant Cal Penn. Cal Penn was in another movie that probably doesn't translate well, and that's you know um, Van Wilder. No, no, yeah, is that that's National Lampoon's? So it, American Pie isn't National Lampoon's? No, American Pie is like its own thing. Oh shit! Oh, I thought it was. I thought he was in American Pie, like silly, like banjo. Whatever. Anyway. But, but I'm going to make the case as to why I don't think American Pie should be written off. Because, like I said in the beginning, to me, these movies are a parody of, you know, teenage life and what's expected during that time in your life. And if you watch the movie, there's a lot of lessons 
to be learned for like young men. For one, you have one character where he rushes, he's trying to rush his girlfriend into sex before she's ready. And he realizes that, you know, if he really loves her and cares for her, like he'll take his time and, and um, you know, not rush things and do it whenever like she's ready and she's consenting. That's um Thomas Ian Nichols character Nichols um character Nicholas. And then you have Jim, who's the main character. You know, the movie's called American Pie because at one part, you know, he's here's the the parody part again. He's so horny that his mom makes a pie, leaves him home alone, and he has sex with the pie. Um, but it's also because there's a song called American Pie by what's his name, uh, character from nearby uh, where I live. There's a song called Bye Bye Miss American Pie. So they're basically trying to like work that into it. But yeah, that's the point. But I don't yeah, it know. Was a like, play, it was a play on the, the title of that yeah, song. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about it like, I don't know if I would. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm on the fence of if I would let my child watch those type of movies. Because like, yeah, there was a reason why like, there were, it was social cues. Like, this is how you act and stuff like that. I'm on the thing where, like, hey, who knows? What the hell is next? Like, I have no idea. You know? Like, the the whole thing with uh, Gone with the Wind is like, you know, hey, Franklin, my dear, I don't give a damn. That whole thing, like, but he's like the, he's a hero of the thing and shit like that. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't think you should actually, like, delete the shit from services. Watch the movie. Because, yeah, I can go on a rant. Is there's a whole move? This is what I'm gonna say. There is danger in pop culture influencing people to do things that should should have been forgotten. Yeah. So, um, another character. So Jim, he, um, you know, the, the the point of the movie is all four of them. Um, the four main characters who are friends are um, Oz, who's a jock. Uh, Thomas Ian Nichols, who uh, asked Kevin, who was in a relationship with a girl named Vicky, Jim, and Finch. And Oz, he, I guess it's a, it's a kind of study on, you know, the machismo thing, because his best friend and teammate, you know, they play lacrosse, is Steve Stifler. And Steve Stifler is like this, you know, uber, um, macho guy. And, you know, um, Oz is kind of like soft-spoken and sensitive. And he actually has, uh, he's a talented singer. So he decides to join the Glee Club. And he he falls for a girl in the Glee Club who's, you know, of, you know, the Glee Club is, you know, not, you know, a popular, you know, the Glee Club girls and jocks, they wouldn't mix. And he, he falls for her and he do, and this is why I say, like, it's a lesson to be learned for um young men, as far as like toxic masculinity and like, you know, that type of thing goes. He, you know, Oz falls for this girl, and even though he's gonna get made fun of, he actually leaves like the championship lacrosse game to 
go to the Glee Club performance because he decided the girl is worth is, the girl is more important than his you know him being a jock. His feelings towards her are more important than how Stifler and his other teammates view him. Jim, you know, there's a part in a movie where uh, the foreign exchange student girl, Nadia, he invites her to his house and the guys, um, they get him to set up a webcam and he leaves the room because, you know, she's going to change. So he sets up the webcam for her to, 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 to video her while she's changing and it accidentally gets spread across the school. And he, um, she ends up having to go back to her country instead of staying in the school. And he goes to, he ends up going to the prom with the band geek, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And throughout the series, he actually, you know, realizes he, ha- he loses his virginity to Michelle. And he realizes Michelle is a band geek is like his soulmate and that's the woman he ma- he ends up marrying and have you know has a family with and then there's finch finch is the most sensitive and most respectful towards women of the group mind you all four of them partake in a bet to see who loses their virginity first but finch is the one that ends up getting um that ends up being the most popular amongst the women because he respects them. And Stifler actually makes him and Stifler throughout the whole series, they have a like antagonistic relationship. Stifler sets him up to get embarrassed. Uh, I think he drops laxative in his coffee and makes him um, have to go to the bathroom and have explosive diarrhea. And he ends up having to use the women's bathroom because like the men's bathroom was locked and it embarrasses him in front of the whole school so it takes him out of the um he has a hard time getting women after that so it takes him out of the running for the bet and he ends up throughout the rest of the series being called shit break by stifler but he ends up winning yeah shit break and Shipwreck was a name uh that the guy who my older my friend's older brother called his brother Shipwreck based on that movie. Like it was that was a big deal back then. American Pie was a big deal. Okay. Yeah, and then um he ends up actually getting one over on Stifler by sleeping with his mom. Right? Mm-hmm. But Finch being respectful knowing even though Stifler embarrasses him in front of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. He could let it he could let it be known that he slept with Stifler's mom, but he decides it's better to be a gentleman and keep the secret and know personally personally that he won that war with Stifler, even though outwardly nobody knows this. Mm. So I just feel like in American Pie, I just had um, you know, if you if you want to look at it through a lens in today's society where um, rape culture and toxic masculinity are, you know, issues, you know, society has with men, 
you know, I feel like a lot of the, the themes and lessons of the movie, when you take out the comedy and the raunchiness, it's, um, it's a teaching tool for kids today. The entire series, because like I say, you, you know, Jim ends up marrying, Jim ends up marrying Michelle Stifler throughout the movie. And that's the other thing too, that I enjoy about the movie is Stifler is the most toxic, toxic, and a to- the most macho and antagonistic person in the group. But every movie, they always include a part where he gets some kind of comeuppance. Like the first movie, he drinks a beer that has um, Kevin sperm in it that he left in the room by mistake. Second hey, movie. What? Huh? I had a weird experience. I go, what? He peed in, he, I go, he peed in the cup? Everyone was like, "What?" I was like, "He peed in the cup, right?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. I was like, like ten. I was like, "What?" Oh, he, oh, that's been <laughs> one of my first early moments of oh, he can. Well, also the whole thing is, uh, I you know, I, I was thinking about more of just movies that influenced, like things that were kind of edgy that influenced the all of society and stuff, and um, that it wouldn't fly now. So yeah, American Pie is the perfect example. Of uh, something in our generation that I don't think I w- we would see. I mean, we would see uh, maybe it would be a show about two women, two young women that would do the same things, maybe living in Brooklyn, uh, Broad City, is the same fucking thing. Oh, I love that show. No shit. It's the same thing. But now you change it with women. You change the gender, yeah, and it's, all, uh, it's more accepted. How about we do American Pie with a guy who uh, identifies a, and it's the same thing, man. And then American Pie is the same thing as something back then. That's why I was alluding to other things. I don't want to be the bad guy here. Yeah, but like I said, um, there's lessons to be taken from, like, American Pie and yeah. Super Bad and all of these movies. But a movie like Gone with the Wind, there's no lesson there. It's, you know, just a movie glorifying like you know the confederate so it, it it's a story that looks nice <laughs> it's a story a story that could happen in 1930s brooklyn new york and it happens to be taking place in uh atlanta when it's getting you know burn you know it doesn't it's a love story okay or whatever it is i don't understand so but uh apparently it's something about whatever but anyway it doesn't have to be taking place during the civil war or like they're glorifying like they're the, they're the victims of this shit, you know. That's what I, I always heard. Yeah, but. it doesn't have to be taking taking place in the Civil War, but it is. And that's yeah. the movie. That's what, uh, yeah. yeah that's what, you know. And shouldn't be, in my opinion, glorified anymore or, you know, talk about as a great film anymore. So, like, growing up, like, growing up, that movie never was a part of my mind. And also going in through film school, that movie was never brought up or anything like it was never uh, considered uh like conceptually great or uh cinematic you know it was never like considered a great film so like it's more of like like wizard of oz came out the same year like that movie is was shitted on back then and then it came more popular later on and and uh gone with one one that year mm-hmm. so Weird, like it's interesting, you know, like uh, the things that age poorly and the things that age well. I don't know. I was I was going that route. Mm-hmm. That's why I cut you off. But I like this little uh, angle. 
so yeah. you know what we were talking about before with um awards and not being showed shown recognition one of the greatest directors of all time but has never or he was only recently given a nomination for best director um for black Klansman. uh spike lee just released a new movie the five bloods and as martin scorsese did with the irishman uh, he has done with the Five Bloods. He released it on Netflix. So soon as soon as it dropped, you know, you could pop it on in your living room and watch it. So, yeah. Mike, you want to talk about about it? Because I watched yeah. it. I watched it what on Saturday, and you you watched it what just now, right? No, I watched it on Tuesday uh, afternoon. So he told uh, Shay told me about it. Um, I think maybe Sunday night. I had no idea. I had no idea what was coming out. Usually on Fridays, you know what's going on, but I haven't really been checking out what's going on and like pop culture and stuff. I'm like, I just took a break. But he sent me a link. And I'm like, what is this? I thought maybe it was a documentary or something. And then I uh, I popped it on finally last night, actually. I started it last night and it was at like the first two minutes. And I go, wait a minute, I got to get my undivided attention to this. So when I woke up. Yeah, I didn't even have my I didn't I didn't have my phone on me. I just watched it because it it, cap, it captures it captures your your attention from the beginning to the very end. Like there's really yeah. very few dull moments in the movie. I felt it was like a classic Spike Lee joint. Like it, yeah. it had it had me feeling like you know uh, Malcolm X and do the right thing and he got game. It it had like that same feel. I personally, I thought it was a it was a, a magnum of everything. Like when I was watching the first like twenty or thirty minutes, I was like, "Wow, this is like, this is kind of like a war movie version of Bamboozled." Bamboozled, I I love Bamboozled when it came out, and I was like, you know, a young kid. Same time as American Pie. I wasn't watching American Pie as much. I was watching Bamboozled. I was that type of kid. Maybe that's why I'm a little like, you know. But, yeah, they uh, were they were out at the same time. Uh, yeah, yeah, they came I, out. Nine, I, I was watching Bamboozled. I didn't care. I was like, "Hey guys, there's this thing called pornography. You you don't have to watch American Pie." But uh, I was a weirdo back then. When I saw him. But anyway, so like Bamboozled had the whole thing where it'd be like me, me and me and Sugar and I'd be like, "Hey, uh, how much for the Snicker bar?" And then they would show like a Snicker bar from like the 30s, and it'd be like like a racist thing, like. That's called. It's like meta. I want to, you know, that's film school. Like meta is like a, it's like a thing where like you show that this is a movie. You're watching a movie. We're not trying to like confuse you. This is not an illusion. And that movie right away, they show it, it starts off right away with uh, uh, the main things is Muhammad Ali, which was a huge deal with uh, Vietnam. And uh, I have a lot of notes. So this movie w- was. That dove deep into this, and uh, from a uh, film way, film, film um, a film style, yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, Bamboozle, but also uh, JFK from Oliver Stone, where it's like you know, like they film things and everything, but the intertwine like real footage, and uh, right away, like you think, oh, what, what am I gonna watch? Is it a documentary? Then like they they do the the effect where it opens up to like the 16 by 9 widescreen and but when they do that it's it's trump or basically they're saying like yeah we're talking about vietnam 
Ross talking about 2020 June, and they showed Trump. They showed Trump thing, which is a big deal. Yeah, then out of nowhere, you see these like uh, was it four gentlemen? You know, you know most of them from Spike Lee movies. Delroy Lindo is my favorite guy. I forget um, the main guy. He plays a cop in most movies. I, I apologize for forgetting his name. But uh, you remember his name? The guy who's from uh, all the... He's always a cop. And Isaiah Whitlock. Yeah, he's like one of, the, one of my favorite actors. I just forget his name sometimes. But uh, then like, they, they situate themselves in a situation where you're like, okay, we're here. And then it, you realize that it's a narrative. It's It's not a documentary. Like, we're living this now. You know, and then from there, Chug, what do you think from that moment of that movie? When they're yeah, so, in the uh, hotel, uh, they're in the hotel lobby. Yeah, so that, that um, the original, the the opening montage, like you said, I thought that was great. It they it, yeah, so it's um, it's the five bloods, and it was four. It's the four surviving members because one, uh, member of the crew, died during the um you know, during a time in, in Vietnam and the four others survive and they were, uh, for whatever reason, um, some allies, some Vietnam, Vietnamese allies or a tribe that was helping the American, the American army in Vietnam, they were supposed to be paid. And for whatever reason, they didn't want to be paid in cash. They wanted to be paid in gold. So the five men, and the pilot, and I guess the the co-pilot, um, both white guys. They showed the situation, and uh, that leads into the whole thing about the de agent, the CGI thing. But yeah, and he he interesting interestingly enough, they um they didn't he didn't use any um de aging technology or use younger actor for actors for the parts that took place in the seventies during the Vietnam war. He just used the same actors. And I thought that was, um, I think the reason for that is because, you know, same way me and you were talking, you know, we talk about, you know, all right, we were, you know, when we were kids, um, you know, you found, you know, that video store throwing out all those wrestling DVDs. When I was a kid, I remember, you know, sneaking around into movies in Times Square with my cousin and you know you can't remember what your you know what you looked like back then because you're seeing it through your eyes so I think that's the reason why he used the same actors because you know the same actors for the flashbacks because they're flashing back in their head they're seeing it through their eyes they're not the art they don't see the audience the audience is seeing them, and they're seeing them as they remember it, if that makes sense. That is a perfect uh, explanation of what I was thinking. Basically, like, Irishman, I actually never even saw Irishman yet, but maybe I will. But the whole CGI thing, like, that, that, that was lost on me. But with this, they show uh, Chadwick Bosman, he's there. He, that's the memory they see of him. Yeah, exactly. see, exactly. Well, but mm-hmm. basically, all four of the other remaining men are still living that memory. And maybe I'm old, we're older, but we have a lot of people that went to Vietnam and are still alive, and we know them all. You know, we talk to them and stuff. But maybe not. Maybe when we're younger. But uh, they are still there. That's that's their memory. That they're there. And this movie is perfect. Where it it 
just takes like a documentary and takes a memory and just like puts together, man. This movie really was like one of the fucking great, great movies I've seen in the last few years, man. And um, basically from the whole thing with the crash, well, I don't know, spoiler alerts, whatever. But if you just watch the movie before you, you listen to us, there's a crashing and stuff and uh, that happens and stuff. And there's a scene where it's them in modern day Vietnam with four guys who were there when it was fucking Shanghai. Like, it was like uh, Saigon, I mean, uh, Shanghai, fuck. Saigon. 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 And, like, they're they're mentioning that it was, like, McDonald's everywhere and KFC and stuff. Um, That scene is so crucial because they're basically going back to where they're like, well, I do. I devoted my best, my best friend died here. I devoted years here. And you guys have a goddamn food, best food chain. Let me get mine. Let me get my money. But they say it's also because of the uh, remains of uh, the fifth, uh, the fifth of their brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, but they use that as the like official reason. Yeah. And the but reason, and they they got like the U.S. You know, the the government to sanction them going there because it was under the UN. Right. Yeah, under the idea that they were going to receive his, they were going to retrieve his remains to bring him back to the U.S. to bury him. Yeah, but that's a, that, but that going back to like a film structure, that's yep. a very famous thing in film where like there's a thing where in films where um, like Nazi treasure, Nazi gold, like there's a many movies about World War Two. This is Vietnam, so World War Two. There's movies about how there's a troop of guys who find uh, Nazi gold and they say, you know, like, there's five of us. Like, whoever's alive still gets to last. So I like that in this movie because the first two halves of this, the first two acts of this movie, it's like a film student. Oh, I was like, great. Like, oh, I, got, I loved everything. And I was like, they alluded to so many different movies and stuff. And, and I don't want to shit on someone because uh, we're we're highlighting someone, but I don't want to shit on someone. But compare this to Glorious Bastards. It's like, come on, like Spike Lee here and then Tarantino just went down to the, you know. Well, I think they did a great job. Spike Lee did a great job, man. Like it's, it's the first two halves are like, it's like uh, it's it's great. It's like they um they covered so many things that are like classic film. Which is Spike Lee is a film student. Like he, he was always called like the oh, film student, you know, buff and everything. But they also, you know, there's a scene where they show Trump right away, in the uh-huh. first few minutes. They show and then, so right away you're like you're watching a documentary. You're like oh okay, there's mom and all that. Right. And then I know you see these gentlemen that you can relate to. They're like real human beings. And it cuts to a, a Trump video from like recently. So you now oh all right, this is a movie about. Vietnam. This is a movie about now, but then yeah. they're talking about Vietnam, and then um, later on in the movie, you, there's a scene where uh, one of the characters has a MAGA hat on. That's just you know, it's, I know it's like cliche, but it makes sense later. And they also t- touch on uh, opioid crisis. There's like so many things they talk about, and it's like I feel like this movie was like that they did they made it like six months ago. I don't know how when they filmed it, but it was like seemed so. Uh, and there's a there's a uh, I'll let you talk. You want to talk? No, yeah, you go on. All right, so in a film way, Mm -hmm. there's a scene that there's a film there. I mean, there's a scene in the film about 40 minutes into the movie. There's a film, there's a scene in the film 40 minutes into the movie, 
and they use diegetic and non-diegetic film uh, music where like, you know, you're watching a film and then they take you out of it. This is a very, this is a fair, I'm all about meta. It's about like, I know I'm watching a movie. So like, there's a scene where they show like an old school riverboat going through Vietnam. They're blasting the music. Then it cuts into modern day, uh, all the four guys and, and then another character who you find out is his son. And like they mesh it so beautifully, like it's like so uh, seamless, and uh, that's like a perfect thing. Like those movies aren't made anymore, where it's like they. But then a lot of things happen at the same time in this movie, where like he does so many things at once, it might be overwhelming for like like a per like, the layman's or whatever. Like like he does so many things at once. It's a pretty much like sixties movies, seventy movies, eighties and nineties all together, including his Spike Lee joints from the nineties. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm shocked that like if no one else recognizes this movie as like one of his best movies, it's it's shocking. Like, this is one of his best movies. This next to um, and do the right thing. Like I don't know what else. I like Girl Six, but uh, Girl Six was not. He didn't write it. I'm not sure if he wrote this one or if it's based on a book or something. But uh, if maybe you look it up. But I honestly think this is probably his top two. This and uh, maybe Crooklyn, maybe. Yeah, Crooklyn and this and Do the Right Thing are probably his best movies. I was shocked. This was a great movie. I was happy that I saw this today. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, it came out under the um radar. Um my thing, first of all, the the film itself. Uh Mike, yeah. name name some well known um war films or films about uh servicemen. Yes, I'm so happy you brought this up. Great Escape. Glorious Bastards, uh, Private, Saving Private Ryan, just a bunch of those type of movies. What what do those um films have in common about the soldiers? Or what do those all of the soldiers in those films have in common? The white thing. They're white, but of those movies, what do all of the soldiers have in common? Well, in Hollywood, they would show white actors portraying soldiers. Yeah, so they were all white, so there's not really, like, too many films in the history of movies that show um, African-American soldiers, even though African-American soldiers haven't been involved in literally every single war that has been fought in American history. Uh, I believe the Spanish-American War, it was the first time they actually had, like, like, People that were like considered like free, like that. That was nineteen eighteen ninety six. So, a long time. Yeah, but in the Civil War, you know, as you know from the film Glory, there were there was a you know a few African American infantry. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you know, um, the Revolutionary War, there were um, uh, the Revolutionary War. There were f- slaves that you know joined either side. The War of 1812, there were probably slaves that joined either side. Civil War, as we've said, Spanish-American War, like you said, both world wars, the Korean War, uh, Vietnam, and obviously the wars that are being fought today. But you never really see them in film or really in any type of media, uh, which also brings the point you know, we talked about in our first episode when I talked about Drew Brees, 
you know, where it's like, oh, like my, my grandfather's for the, for this country. And it's like, yeah, well, there's black people's grandfathers that fought for this country and didn't return to a free country. So I just, um, that in of itself, I enjoy that Spike Lee made a film showing black servicemen mm. because, you know, when people say, you know, kneeling for the flag, you know, kneeling during the anthem is disrespectful to servicemen and people who died, you know, instantly you think of like a white soldier because that's all you've been shown is white mm. soldiers throughout these different wars, you know, so I, I think that's great that Spike Lee yeah. put, to, put together a film that highlights them. And this is actually the second time doing it because Miracle at St. Anna um, was another film. And that one took place during World War II. Um, another yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I was, gonna, I was uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I was going to bring up, I was going to go to a different route, but I'm glad you, uh, so there's a lot of movies about Vietnam. And Vietnam is always considered like the bad war. I like, didn't mean anything. Like how dare them, you know stuff. But it also was a big deal for the African American community in America, the Black community. And um, there's a lot of movies about it, and it was always negative. Like Dead Presidents, the guy comes back from war and he becomes like a fucking bank, was a bank heister and all shit. And um, and he felt like wronged by like come by the country and stuff. And uh, this one made like it's like me watching. Maybe if I was like fucking 20 in like the 40s or 50s whatever me watching a john wayne movie i see uh chavik bosman like being like all you know powerful and everything it's the same thing as like a yeah a young black kid watching this shit now like it's important you know like it's these war movies and stuff you know yeah and it was an interesting part because there was um a character eddie um okay so eddie um he was, for the gold that they were getting, he needed a fence to, you know, turn obviously turn that gold into money. And oh. oh, yeah, John, Jean, Jean Renew. Jean Renew, yeah. And Renew, which is a nice surprise there, John Renew in this movie. That was cool. From uh, The Professional and all that. Yeah. And, and everyone, everyone forgets that Vietnam has a huge French uh, influence from back in the day. So a lot of French influence still in uh vietnam yeah because it was french colony yeah and then they left and the u.s came in so so he there was a character um eddie who was one of the five bloods and the person that hooked him up with um that hooked the group up with their fence who was played by jean renault was a hooker a vietnamese hooker um that he had a relationship with in the 70s and what you find out is that in their relationship, she actually had a daughter. And obviously, you know, you go there, you have this relationship, and, mm-hmm. you know, you probably know it's not going to last past the war. So he goes back to the U.S. But during that time, she actually became pregnant and had a daughter who was actually played by a, ha- a half-black, half-Vietnamese actress. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like very it happens a lot with like uh army bases and like different places so yeah like um heinz ward the the um steeler great he's actually of half black and half vietnamese descent um tiger woods i believe too yeah uh yeah but uh an interesting part 
you know, when you talk about how, you know, portraying the experience of African-American soldiers, uh, you know, he asks if that's his daughter and he finds out and he's, you know, basically floored because he had this daughter that he never knew of. And the woman, she says, you know, life was rough for them because they were basically lower than cockroaches um, because the daughters, you know, half, you know, how the, the Vietnamese would categorize it is, you know, she was half nigger. And not only that, but she was American. And not only that, but the mother was also a hooker. So they were looked upon. She was a horse child. She was American. And, you know, she was black. And also was an invader, too. That, that, that's something they said, too. It was like some coming in, you know? hmm yeah. And, you know, when she said the word, you know, when she said nigger, she said, you know, that was a word. She was, She said, that's not our word. The Americans said that. The white GIs were the ones that taught them that. So it was an interesting uh, display of how, in some ways, America wasn't just spreading, trying to, you know, because all of these were, were, wars were to spread democracy. So not only were they spreading democracy, they were spreading their own racism, you know, to these different countries. Yeah, I noticed a lot of the movie... Um... Uh, that's why I keep bringing up. I, I brought up once with the uh, World War Two with the Nazi uh, treasure. They kept bringing up that you know the treasure was kind of like a thing that the the motivation for them to come back to where they were just like the it was a memory of them coming back and then they knew exactly where everything was. But there's a lot of, there's a whole history of uh, Nazi treasure and everything. And I think that's why I was trying to allude to Vietnam having a lot to do with black Americans and also like Jewish, uh, Jewish people. And everything. it was a lot of that too going on. And a lot of the words that were used, that were created during that time were, um, you know, American based and, you know, Anglican eyes words, you know? Yeah. I like this movie a lot because they don't really talk about Vietnam as much anymore. It's kind of like a forgotten thing, you know, it's weird. Well, they talk about it when we talk about President Bone Spurs. Talking about Trump? Yeah. Yeah, he used... um. For him. He used... Uh, so, so Trump used um, Bone Spurs. He claimed he had Bone Spurs, and they made a joke about that. Um, because well, as you as you said, um, one of the characters, you you know, had the, the MAGA hat. And, you know, that's an interesting um, yeah. dynamic... Um, but we actually, uh, we're going to have Joel on, uh, pretty soon and we're, we're going to talk more in depth, you know, talk a little bit more about, um, the five bloods cause he's going to watch it and he's, he's going to add in some things that, you know, we didn't get to discuss today. I will say that, uh, the last third act, uh, felt more like a movie, but that's the point where it, when you have, if, if you watch the movie and you know it, it, there's a scene where it's, uh, he's wearing the MAGA hat. One of the most, uh, one of the characters that represents a lot of people with hostility and uh, PSD or military servicemen. I think also just represents people that are just like angry and just like they don't know what else to do. That's a symbolic version of it. But uh, he's wearing the hat kind of as like a fu, fu to like Trump. 
Yeah. Right. Other countries see it and you don't see black. They just see American. It's, it's like really, it's very, a lot of layers. That's why this movie needs to be at least twice watched. So, uh, yeah, because he was, he was, he was a Trump supporter and yeah. his idea was, um, so it's not like basically it's like it's very complex. That's like when people watch things and they think it's like one way or the other, like that's why this character really stood out to me. I, I can't think of another character in a film that stands out to me since I, I can't think of another one. I, mean, I have to give after you guys. Can you? Can you think of a character in a film that reminds you of a character that was so complex and like uh, well portrayed? And, and I don't want to put on the spot because I can't do it myself. You know, I had this movie that really stuck to me. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the so the character that Delroy Lindo played, um, Paul, That's he right. um he resonated with you very deeply. I can't think of another character that in, in any film unless in the modern era. Like I can't think of it. I don't know why he stuck with me this time. I have no idea. Maybe like Old Country Old Men. Maybe like that, that was fifteen years ago. But just for some reason, it just felt very very important. Like just. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just, it was just one day. I mean, um, it's not, you know, probably one character that was like complex that resonated with me is probably, you know, Al Pacino. And well played is Al Pacino as Michael Corleone in um, Godfather mm. and Godfather Part Two. Cause, you know, it was, it was a complex little, it was a complex um, story arc. Yeah, I I was gonna go back fifty years, but I meant like in recent time. But uh, even that's even even the last twenty years, maybe uh, I don't know. I was saying in the last twenty years, so maybe uh, you know what the character from Fargo, that character was fucking sad. And I was like, I was in debt. I meant like who I was invested in, where I didn't care about. You know, I just I was like, oh shit, like I'll, oh oh, and there I take it back. Uh, Boogie Nights, Dirk Diggler. Just I was I lit I. I invested myself in him the same with this character i'm like i don't it doesn't matter what he believes in like what i i, I am devoted to it. i was like wow man was like, this guy is like you know i think it's a film you know it, it, in the bottom line take away all the politics and everything it's a film he fucking played the hell out of this character mm-hmm. it was insane the whole there's a scene where it's like a, a fucking uh steady cam and it's just him fucking bawling his eyes out crying and it's insane. Like this is this is the performance of a lifetime for many actors. Uh, that's why maybe it was just to stay, but I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. Because he was, uh, uh, he was always great. He was great in um, in uh, Clockers, in in Crooklyn, and a lot of Spike Lee movies. But it's yeah, a shame. Malcolm, Malcolm X was West Indian. Um, West Indian Sam. Was it West Indian Sam? Was it? Wasn't there a, was, uh, one of the actors there in his West Indian too? Yeah, cause he played. Uh, he he actually did. he he was a Trinidadian. Um, he played a Trinidadian person in Malcolm X. Um, cause you know uh, Malcolm X, Malcolm X's autobiography, and this is another great thing about Spike Lee, and that's another movie I believe he should have been nominated for best director, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was uh, West Indian Archie. Um, because. The autobiography of Malcolm X was like the first um book like that of that length, like a really long book that I read cover to cover. Like I used to like skim through books, but I read page like each page and you know 
to this day, Malcolm X is like my hero. And that book, if you read that, if you watch, if you read the autobiography of Malcolm X and then watch Malcolm X, um, Spike Lee's film that, you know, was taken from the autobiography of Malcolm X, there's very little, very little from that book that wasn't included in the movie. And that's why that movie is like almost like four hours long. Mm. And Delroy Lindo was in it as West Indian Eddie and he he pulled off a um a tremendous Trinidadian accent. And I I, I really appreciate that. But Delroy Lindo as an actor in general, he's been around since the eighties, man. And the fact that Spike was able to get, you know, get this script and get this movie made and create a character that Delroy Lindo could, you know, really surprise and shock a lot of us by how well he played it. You know, that's just an incredible story in and of itself. And I hope when award season starts back that this movie is recognized as such. Maybe it's just because I watch it. I watched it here. My I have a huge uh, TV right here. Maybe that's why I was able to like be comfortable. But uh, going back to um, Malcolm X, like that's one of the well, he had, uh, one of the first movies where they used like actual like documentation, like whatever. But this movie was completely like just uh, you know the five books like showing documentation and like blending it with the narrative, which is like personally, it's like one of my favorite things. Um, uh, it's, it's meta. So like, I don't know, it's important because like you, you, like it's a blending history where like, this is not just a movie. It's not a popcorn flick. You know, you watch a movie and you leave, whatever. It stays with you. And it was the same with Bamboozled. And it was the same with Malcolm X. So I think maybe this might be top five. Is this top five movie for uh, Spike Lee? For you? For me, yeah. Because it'd be um, Malcolm X to do the right thing. Uh, Inside Men. Oh wow! I'm shocked by that. Um, Jungle Fever is one of my favorites. Mm, is that four? Well, that's four, and then the Five Bloods. So yeah, so it is top five. All right, so uh, this would, I guess would be somewhere in the five, but um, I like Clockers. Yeah, and that was in no particular order either. That was just how no, I, I remembered them. <laughs> me either. I just said so five. This would yeah. be five. Uh, Clockers, Crooklyn. Do the right thing in Girl Six, Malcolm X. I, you know, I, I respect the movie and everything, but just, um, you know, I have the top eight for him. I do Bamboozle, I do uh, Malcolm X, and uh, I just, I have a whole section in my area right here. I could show you. I have every DVD, uh, just out of a uh, earshot here. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was in um, he was in Domino, which is one of my like. Oh yeah, that's that was like rated yeah. favorite movies. Wasn't Domino like the kind of like the Sunset ripoff? No, no, Domino was with um Karen Knightley where she played like a oh, like a bounty hunter. Ah, okay, never mind. I'm thinking I think not, it was Tony a Tony Scott film. What's that movie I'm thinking of where it was like a uh, it was the same guy who played the comedian? Mickey Rourke. No, The Watchmen. I mean, not Mickey Rourke. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan. No, it's not Jeffrey. Know. Yeah, otherwise it's neither here nor there. Yeah, but I like a lot, you know. But Delroy Lindo, I just um, I looked it up. He's um, he's Jamaican. He's 
Jamaican, uh, and he was born in England. So that's why his, his he was Jamaican. That's why he pulled off the Trinidadian accent so well. Because we could do them, and they could do us. Yeah, like uh, they were saying, like the movies. I heard about that, like you're Jamaican and England. You go back. It was like a lot of that. Uh, same with the diaries with me. Like you went to America, and then back to Ireland, to the UK, and then back. It was like you said, like, your language changes and everything. But uh, I don't want to keep talking about this movie. But there's also things about 2020, obviously, besides just the MAGA hat, which he was a supporter of. And he also got like singled out by the Vietnamese guy, who you know. And it was just like a, a burglary. We want to say that he was just a heist thing, or just there was many levels to it. But I'm trying to break it down to you. Uh, basic thing where he gets held up by someone with a gun, and um, that was one thing where they singled him out maybe because he had the hat on. And there was also a scene where they were busting some guy's chops, really great actor, because um, he was taking pills. And they mentioned the opioid crisis as another like 2020 uh, thing. So it's very timely. This movie is not just a movie to be seen, you know, it's also like a timely thing. And he dumps it out and he's like, I don't need this anymore to deal with my uh, anxiety about this uh, war and everything. Because it's, it's a big thing. You know, this is real. I know people that were PTSD, PTSD. And uh, I don't know how they feel about this. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah, that was it. I mean, uh, I think the third act just seems more like an actual movie. And they show, it kind of ends like a lot like with uh, Black Klansman, where they show like, uh, modern, which is sad, they show modern uh, protests. Because that movie came out three, uh, two years ago, and there was the whole thing in Charleston, and they're still talking about protests and stuff. Yeah. They use actual footage, which is sad, you know, not sad, but it's like, you know. Well, that was the only thing I had written down, but this movie really stuck out to me, and I think uh, I keep telling people I, I made my my father watch it, and I made my girlfriend watch it, and she liked it. I mean, not liked it, but she like was affected by it. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's definitely it's a hard. highly recommended recommended watch. But it's not a normal film like you watch on Netflix. You don't know. I didn't know it came out, so I was like, okay. Yeah, it's not going on a lot of people. I didn't even know it was being made. Was it actually supposed to come out in theaters, or was it specifically made for Netflix, like uh, Irishman? It yeah. might have been like Irishman. Like it probably was supposed to come out. Oh, in like selective, selected theaters. I have one more uh, film nerd thing because uh, I'm a film student. There's a scene where it's they show the uh, riverboat, and it's from like they show like fake clips. It might be real clips of like Vietnam and the circa 1970. And you hear dun, da, 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 the Red Baron thing, and then like they the camera like goes in and then it changes to modern day boat. Oh, like, I think you're talking about like the part where they had flight of the bumblebees because when they started when they, when they started playing it to myself, I was like, oh shit, it's um Daniel Bryan's coming out. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so that's the Red Baron's music. That's the Red Baron they use for it. So like they've so seen flight like, of the bumblebees. Yeah, they use that's the Red Baron. Okay. It's a German thing, German. So they go into it, uh, the uh, World War One, uh, the Red Baron's movie. So like that's why he was called the Red Baron, Helen Byron. And so then you go in, and it's like the old school, um, film. And then it cuts into them, um, from like the war, into modern day, like 2020, them in Vietnam, and they're like busting chops and stuff. And it's just like, hey, whatever, the guys filming, it, and it's all fun. 
and they, they use other film too, like the uh, 60s style where it's like, yeah, we're taking video and stuff, but it's also like the video maybe we took back when we were uh, soldiers and stuff. And that's the scene that like flipped me out when, uh, uh, what's the character name for uh, Don't Worry Lindo? Where there's a scene where he has Paul. a, oh, Paul, I have your name. Yeah, so Paul. Yeah, the, char- the characters actually was named. Uh, the, the characters were named after the members of the original Temptations, which was. Oh uh, yeah, Anderson, Paul, well, Norman. Well, well, the five, the the five at the end of the movie, Paul and his son, and the three others. Norman was named after this the um the songwriter, um, hmm. the songwriter for the Temptation that that made their song so it was kind of like a a, a yeah. kind of a um to the hat. Re- reference to that you the know sun brings it up. the sun brings it up before they go out into the jungle actually i think he talks to one of the and he talks to the french girl or maybe he says i'm named after the temptations or something um, yeah david ruffin so he has that that scene was one of my favorites when uh, the guy's like offering the chicken and he's like hey man it's like it goes on for like like I looked it up. It was like I, I watched. I mean, it was like a minute and a half where he's like, "I'm good, man. I don't want anything. I'm good, man. No, no, no. I don't want anything." He kept offering the chicken in his face, and this guy has PSD, and he's like, "All right, man. he's like, all right, all right, all right," and it just seemed very real. Like this, I this is a, one of the greatest performances I've seen all ever, man. I don't know why it's sick with me, but his performance was great. I always liked him in all the other movies, but. Well, we'll get back to it maybe when maybe in two years when we do the uh, Academy Awards for this year. I don't know what's going to happen. I heard it's going to happen in like a year. So I don't know. I like the movie. All right. <laughs> so um, we're going to – I'm going to hold off on talking about um, Rashad Brooks. So um, any final th- thoughts on uh, the whole show, stuff we talked about this whole show? What I would say is – Netflix, watch the film, uh, reevaluate your thoughts about American Pie because if you think about American Pie, it does represent a lot of what's going on today, the social cues, um, social dynamic, male dynamic, because uh, a lot of it is it wouldn't fly now. I don't know if it wouldn't fly, but maybe, I don't know. But just American Pie is a good little. Uh, evaluation of what's going on today what else uh yeah so uh when we talk about genderless awards and american pie and you know how things you know are going to progress you know going forward you know we have to learn from these things so if they want you know if, if all these awards uh emmys um, Oscars and you know SAG awards and all these other awards that are given out start to be genderless. Then so be it. Um, I just want to see uh, if it has if it ends up having the desired effect where the the winners and the nominees are more diverse and it's more representative of society in general and not as um, you know um, Lily White as it was, you know, in, in the past, uh, with American pie, um, you know, it's a coming, coming of age film. And, you know, when Trump said, you know, the whole, um, grab her by the pussy, uh, tape, you know, that was like locker room talk. 
you know, movies like American Pie, like I say, you know, when you're a kid and you're watching those movies, it's something you aspire for and long for. And when you watch it as an adult, it's something you look back in the past and realize, you know, that type of behavior is something you should leave in the past. But as we discussed, you know, those movies did have, you know, those movies do have some lessons to be learned about, you know, machismo and, you know, toxic masculinity and, and how, you know, you grow out of it and it ends up being comedic. And The Five Bloods, again, it's a movie that, you know, both of us will definitely say we uh, highly recommend people watch if you have a chance. It's about two hours and 45 minutes long. A matter of fact, you know, we spent a lot of time on it today. Uh, we're going to have Joel on the next show because he's currently watching it and he's going to give us his thoughts and anything um, Mike didn't uh, get to talk about today and anything I didn't get to talk about today oh. about it. We'll, you know, talk about at length in the next show. Well, I have uh, one final thought about American Pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, you can watch any movie from back in the day and apply it to today and it wouldn't fly. American Pie was 20 years ago. And, and you know, when I don't you... think kids are like looking at that character. But did I look at character from Animal House? I thought I thought I looked at all of them as buffoons. So if you if you have a kid now, maybe you have a kid who's like seven, people would see it as silly. Mm-hmm. Going uh, back and also with the sixties too, like the, you know, like going back to the sixties and stuff. I think um, I think people realize that it's like it's that time. It it came out in that time, so I don't think it's like sort of like a instruction manual it's just a thing that happened at the time yeah and and the fact that you know a lot of these things don't age well um it shows that us as a society are confronting you know um things that should change and that we are progressing and to look back on these things with a critical eye it just shows it shows that we're progressing and to look back at them in a critical eye and looking at it as like nostalgia and you know those were the days and those you know those were the dumb days is a lot more positive than you know people saying you know oh everything's too pc they want to change everything uh why can't we have things the way they were and it's just like, like um, revenge of the nerds has a gay character and like he's not like completely helpless. Like he's actually one of the heroes of the thing. He's, uh, I, I should know his name. Phil. I think his name is Phil Lam- Phil Lamar, right? Is that his name? No, not no. Oh, Phil Lamar's from Pulp not, Fiction. No, I didn't Phil Phil Lamar. Yeah, Phil Lamar is from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I know that, but I, I always thought that he had the same character name as his real name. But anyway, but my point and is he, that he was so good as that character. I actually looked it up, and he's not even like gay. Yeah, that's my point. Is like he wasn't considered like he was acting he wasn't, like drawing him into a freaking hole, and like he was actually one of the heroes. You know, it's like I think it's important. I think it's important to like yeah, and, and even when you even when you say that, like the Revenge of the Nerds, not to to go too much into it, but the Racist. bad guys in the movie were all was were football players who were all white, all macho, all good looking, and the heroes of the movie were the nerds who were very diverse. Japanese. Smart. Japanese guy, 
but yeah, and they were they were smart. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, this was episode four of Shug Me the Mooney. Um, episode five will be out soon, and I hope you enjoy. And please like, share, comment, spread the word about our show. We just started. Um, pretty soon we'll be on video, and we'll be on YouTube. So look out for that. But bye, y'all. All right, and follow us on. He's on puke. The video is gonna be on it.